Well, this morning it is our privilege to have with us uh, Dayton Poe. Dayton oversees our camp for the Kansas District of the Sons of God, and uh, Dayton was um, in Andover at the Sons of God Church in Andover for the 12 years prior to the last two. And so we kind of have been back, I've been back in Kansas about the same time he has, has been in Kansas. So it's just really cool to have him. The other deal about Dayton is Dayton is the guy that put together the 250-mile bike ride that Ansel and I did in, in September. And so we rode a little bit of that together and all those things. And so it was cool. So Dayton, thanks for coming and sharing about the camp, but also challenging us from his words. Uh, like Pastor said, my name is Dayton Poe. And uh, I pastored in uh, Andover, Kansas for about 12 years. I was um, uh, seven years as youth pastor, five years as pastor there. And then a couple years ago, I began to kind of sense some direction change in my life. And the job at Wheat State came open. I walked around. I remember walking around the campground going, man, this would be the coolest job uh, in the world. And uh, so when I got hired, uh, it, it is uh, my dream job. I've had a blast uh, being out there to serve. And um, before I get started, I always like to show a picture of my family. Um, normally when I walk into a place, people watch me. They're like, keep an eye on that guy. You know, I'm that dude. And uh, so, uh, but uh, this kind of makes me look a little bit nicer, doesn't it? So um, that's my beautiful wife, Anne. Uh, they're beside me. And uh, to uh, her, uh, it'd be my right, I guess your left. That's Isaiah. He's uh, going to be 20 years old this year. And uh, he's at Sagu Wichita. He's at the Extension Campus of Sagu uh, in uh, Be- Bethel Life Center. And then behind us there's Isaac. Uh, he's my uh, 16, just turned 17 actually, uh, Thursday. And then there on my back is the beautiful Mrs. Ryan. Uh, so anyways, that way you guys can think I'm not such a mean looking guy, right? Awesome. So March 17th was uh, actually the day that, uh, that I took over, so this is my two-year anniversary coming up this week, and uh, camp has always been my favorite time of year. I uh, love, love camp as a youth pastor. I couldn't wait to get to summer camp and uh, just serve for weeks and weeks and weeks as long as I could be there, and uh, always had a blast serving. It didn't matter what we did, whether I was a coach. Coach is probably one of my favorite jobs at camp. You get to actually stay with the kids. Uh, for, you know, five days, and you're in the dorm with them, and you're inhaling all their smells and all that stuff, but you really get to see a transformation in students' lives and kids' lives during that week, so that's always been kind of the coolest thing to do at camp, but whether uh, I got to serve as rec director or as a coordinator uh, or dish crew or, you know, cleaning toilets, didn't matter, uh, because I just wanted to be at camp, because here's what camp camp changes people's lives, and it's, it's just amazing to be a part of, uh, of something like that year after year after year. Uh, who's been to Wheat State? Quite a few, quite a few. So uh, if you haven't been there, let me show you a couple pictures of uh, Wheat State, give you a little tour. This is our blob, and uh, so uh, this is one of the main attractions, I guess, at the camp. Uh, people go, what is that? So you, uh, you get up on that tower there, like that person in there, you see the person sitting out on the end? of the blob, and then you jump off the tower, and then this is what happens uh, next. kind of shoots you up in the air a bit of ways. We've seen a couple kids go a couple stories, haven't we? Is that, you know? If you get the right weight ratio, uh, you can really launch kids a couple stories up in the air. 
So uh, that's the blob. Next thing is uh, we've been working on has been our paintball facilities. So um, this used to be one facility, and we've split it. We're going to actually add another facility back in the woods there behind it and also along the ditch on the other side of our retention ponds there. So we're continuing to expand that. And uh, so students love, love, love to shoot paintballs at each other 200 feet per second. So people ask all the time, does it hurt? You can see the next picture. It hurts. Oh, yeah, it absolutely hurts. It'll leave a nice little whelp on you. Uh, so that's a, students running into battle at camp. They love it. We love doing it. So next is a new addition. We added this last year uh, to our camp. This is the overhead view of it from our drone, actually. Uh, this is our pedal cart track. And uh, there's a couple uh, students uh, running around on the, their go-karts, except you're the motor. So uh, you may or may not find that fun. Some people don't find it. They get around it once, and they're like, this is no fun. And then they go back and do whatever. And so uh, we uh, pulled out our old putt-putt course last year also. Um, it was kind of a home to frogs. That's where our, all of our frogs lived at Week State. And we put in a brand-new uh Sand volleyball with drainage and everything. It, it's a really big hit with the kids. Next picture is um, new addition. We I remember walking into the rec center uh, a couple years ago, and all of our equipment looked really, really, really bad. We had masking tape on our pool table holding on the bumpers. It was real classy, really, really classy. So I called, and I was like, hey, what's it cost to fix one of these pool tables? $800 to resurface a pool table, fix all the bumpers so that they could rip the bumpers off again. So I was like, you know what? We need to do something different. So everything that we do, that we try to design now uh, is uh, uh, we try to make it teenager-proof. Uh, so uh, it, it lasted a whole season, uh, no rips or anything. Uh, it did a good job. It is a 10-foot by 17-foot pool table you'll play with soccer balls. So, um, And again, we, we know of no other in the state of Kansas. Uh, so we want people to be able to to look at something they can and go, you know what, that's the only place that they have it, and it's a blast, and I want to go back. And I'll tell you why we do what we're doing. We're working on this year, we redid our whole tube. Uh, we have one of the largest uh, climbing tubes, like McDonald's tubes. We have a half a gym full of climbing tubes, and we actually restructured those. We put a three-versus-three three arena in the middle of them, which will serve as a basketball, soccer, and human foosball arena this year. So we're continuing to... Uh, look at what, what we can add and what we can do, and here's why we do it. It is a blast to do this stuff. I love designing and building and working and, and continuing to dream about what we can do, uh, but it's for one purpose, really, and that's so that students will see it, and they'll be like, man, I want to go there. And when they go uh, at 7 o'clock, okay, this is a, an amazing thing. If you've never been to Week State Camp, on a, on a hot summer night, you'll at 7 o'clock outside the tabernacle, you'll see two to 300 students lined up waiting to get in service. When they open the doors, they run in. They run. They run in to get their seat, and they start with 30 minutes of prayer. So they, they run in. They're excited to get to prayer, you know. Uh, and then after that, they, they, they start worship, and they run from their chairs to the altar areas for worship. They rush the altars. They go back and they sit down uh, for, uh, you know, an hour-long message, and then they give an altar call, and they rush the altars. There's nothing like seeing hundreds of kids 
kneeling down around the altars of Reed State Camp. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we continue to dream. That's why we continue to build. That's why we fix air conditioners. And my manager knows this. My, uh, my maintenance manager knows this. Everything that we do, it's building towards the altars of Reed State Camp. Amen? Um, and all that we do, again, all that we dream about, um, it's about in a ministry. And uh, every uh, prayer that's ever prayed is seed sown uh, into Weed State Camp. Every hammer that's ever been swung at Weed State, we talk about it, it's seed being sown at Weed State Camp. If you've ever given a dollar, you know, again, that's seed sown at Weed State Camp. And that's what I want to talk to you about briefly this morning in the Word is the idea of sowing and reaping. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians 6, 7. Galatians 6, 7. While you're turning there, I'm going to pray. Father, we pray this morning for your Holy Spirit to have have your way in this place. Have your way, God, in each heart and in our minds. God, I pray for distractions right now. Uh, things that uh, are, are taking us away from uh, what you want to say to us this morning. I pray that we would just pause and uh, surrender our hearts and our minds to you right now. Um, God, it's, it's our desire to walk away changed today. I pray that we don't just come in and, and it's just another service, but we come in and we, we listen to your word, your holy word, and we allow it to change us. So, Lord, I pray, uh, as I always pray, uh, God, use me. I'm just a guy that, that said, yeah, I'll go. I'll talk. I'll do whatever you need me to do. So I pray my words are your words this morning in Jesus' name. Amen? Galatians 6, 7. Starts this way. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Um, I'll give you three points this morning. The first point is this. Is sowing is your choice. Sowing is your choice. So what you plant is what will grow. Uh, this is God's design, uh, you know, in life. If, if you plant uh, a certain type of seed, that's what grows. If you plant an apple seed, uh, you know, an apple tree will grow. And so many times we like to plant different seed, but we expect God to grow something different in our lives and we get confused. We're like, God, you know, I'm, uh, I don't get why, you know, why this is going on in my life, why I'm struggling with this. And can I tell you, can I be real with you this morning? A lot of times the struggles, the things that we continue to deal with in our life is what you're actually putting in your heart and your mind. Um, sowing is your choice. Verse 8, it says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. So don't be deceived when we continue to put... Uh, you know, negative things, when we continue to appease evil desires in our heart and our life, that's actually what we're continuing to grow. That's the harvest that continues to come up in our lives. So um, Galatians talks about sin or what I would call seed, sin seed, I guess this way, in Galatians 5.19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. When we sow seed according to that sinful nature, then the crop is very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, 
hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. You know, I always like to stop at this part for a minute because we like to uh, we like to rate sin uh, in church, and we have severe sin that none of us do, right? We're like, that's bad. We just don't do that in church. But there's other sin that we kind of tolerate in our life. And uh, we, we do. We like to put maybe a lower rating on it sometimes. And a lot of times, uh, you know, like outbursts of anger, we allow that to stay in our hearts and lives. We like to use this lie. I used it for years and years and years. It's this lie that uh, comes from, from the enemy. And it's, it's this, uh, that's just who I am. You ever use that? And maybe it's not anger. Maybe it's another personality issue that, that you have or, 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 or a sin that you deal with. And you just you rationalize it with, that's just who I am. But God says, no, that's not what I called you to be. We're not supposed to stay you know, in that uh, lie. Uh, we're supposed to grow out of that. So outbursts of anger are not okay. Blowing up at our family, our children, coworkers, uh, it's not okay. And that's something that we need to grow out of. We need to get on our knees and say, Jesus, uh, this is an area of my life. This is sin in my life. And uh, what do we need to do to continue to grow and correct this issue? Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. That's one of the bad ones. Yeah, I know. Uh, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And like I said before, God cannot be mocked. You get that? He will not be mocked. What you reap is what you sow. God is the God of our leisure too. I don't know why, but so many times uh, we don't allow God to be a part of our leisure decisions. We watch what we want to watch. You know, we read what we want to read, but you know what that is? You're planting seed. You struggle with you know, lust and, and uh, you know, perversion in your mind all the time. What are you watching? What do you continue to allow yourself to watch? Maybe you, maybe you think in such a way, you know, I'm always thinking about cuss words, and I'm like, well, what are you watching? What are you, what are you continuing to put in your heart and your mind? What are you planting in there that continues to show a crop in your life? Now, the flip side, this is cool. Whoever slows, sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. 2 Peter 1.5 is a noteworthy scripture in my life. I like to tell everybody, if you're going to write a scripture, put it up somewhere. If you're going to put it on the refrigerator in your car, memorize. Uh, 2 Peter 1.5 is that scripture because it's one of those scriptures that you can look at and say, I've got something to work on from now until the day I die. 2 Peter 1.5 through eight. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance. So you're going to see this kind of path that we can take, uh, this kind of uh, a growth chart, if you will, uh, for our lives. But it starts with this, this base, this first step of faith, of trusting in God. And I have to tell you, after 20 years being a Christian, I still, still, still am working on growing in faith. I'm still, I struggle with it. Um, a few months back in July, uh, me and my family went on a, a vacation uh, to, uh, uh, we took a quick vacation up to Kansas City and we did the, the roller coasters for a day 
at Worlds of Fun, and we did the whole Oceans of Fun, so we did all the all that fun stuff, and then we did what my wife thinks is fun. We went to Zona Rosa uh, for a while and walked around. I don't know why that's fun, but it's fun for her, I guess, and, and then we went and we ate, and then we went home, and we were home. I got home about midnight. I remember laying in bed and just had a great day with the family, and my wife looks over at me, and she says, I don't feel good. So my stomach's hurting. And I looked at her, and I'm like, okay, you know. Uh, she gets up, walks around to the front of the bed. She looks at me again with this, this look in her eyes. She says, I really don't feel good. Passes out at the foot of the bed and stops breathing. I got up and got her kind of moved around, straightened out. And about 30 seconds, a minute later, she starts to breathe, starts to gasp. And I called the ambulance, and uh, they got there. They got her to the hospital, ran all the tests, and was like, they're like, we don't see anything. We don't know what's going on. Uh, we'll give you some, you know, some IVs. Maybe you're dehydrated. Go check out. Go to your doctor tomorrow. You know, your blood work looks a little funny. So we went to the doctor the next day. They ran some more blood work. And uh, the next day he called. He said, hey, we need you to come back in. We went back in, and they said, your platelet level is through the roof. Our normal platelet level for us is about 250,000. So that's what, when you cut yourself, that's what stops uh, you from bleeding to death. All your platelets join together and clot. And so uh, ours was 250,000. Hers was 2.8 million. It was like syrup running through her, uh, her blood. 39 years old. 39 years old. And they said, if we don't get this under control, you're going to have a heart attack or a stroke. This is serious. So we went to a hematologist. They put her on some medicine, some chemo medicine, uh, to stop her uh, bone marrow from producing platelets so they could figure out what was going on, ran a bunch of other tests. A couple weeks later, I was at a Convoy of Hope uh, getting ready to uh, serve and have fun and blow bubbles for a bunch of kids, and I got a phone call about 8, 8.30, and uh, it was uh, my mom. She was panicked. She said Ann's passed out again in the basement, and uh, the ambulance came and got her. Uh, took her to the hospital, come to find out she had an acute heart attack, went uh, from uh, the emergency room to the cardiac care intensive uh, unit where they began to figure out, okay, how do we how do we change this? How do we fix this? And they, they did a platelet phoresis on her where they, they hook her up to a machine uh, and uh, they drain all of her blood. Uh, they don't, well, they didn't really drain it. They ran it through the machine to put it back. It's not like they took all of her blood out and she was pale white, you know. As, but they, they took all of her blood out, spun it through a machine, took the platelets out, put it in a bag, put the blood back in. Pretty cool. Aren't you glad God gave doctors the ability to do cool stuff like that? And thank God for intelligence. Um, so they came back in and they said, good news, we've got your platelet level down to about 600,000, which is safe. It's not exactly where you want to be, but it's safe. And so we're like breathing. You know, she gets, she's able to get up and get in a chair and kind of sit. Uh, she hadn't done that in a, quite a few days. And uh, so we're sitting there, and a doctor comes in about 20 minutes later and said, Hey, we, we know what's going on. Uh, we know why your platelets are the way that they are. And he said this. He said, You have chronic myeloid leukemia, which is an incurable blood cancer. And so there we are, uh, like, kind of like getting punched in the gut. Uh, you don't know what to think. And those are the moments where faith comes into play, doesn't it? Aren't those the times that we have to trust God? Aren't those the moments we question most? Because uh, when things are good and the bills are paid and the dog stops barking, that 
We don't need faith a lot in those times, do we? It's when, what's next? Where do we go from here? That we have to stop and say, you know what? For years and years and years, I've, I've trusted you. 20 years, I've, I've trusted you. Uh, through, through terrible times in our life, uh, through uh, low, low, low times, through high times, he's been there. He's been faithful. So why should we stop now? And six months into it, uh, you know, my wife is, is doing well. It's a, it's a new normal. Everybody's like, how is it? You know, it's not the, it's not the old normal. It's a new normal. Uh, this type of cancer is completely treatable. Um, she will take a pill one day, uh, once a day for the rest of her life. Uh, the medicine is, I, I always, this is crazy. It just makes me laugh a lot of times. It's $12,000 a month. A month. So the offering today is not going towards me. The insurance takes care of that. Uh, it's going to Wheat State Camp. But uh, God is faithful. We've learned to, she's running a 10K next month. Uh, so again, we, we trust God. We don't know. Do we pray for healing? Absolutely. You know, do we want, do we, do we want to just be done with this whole cancer thing? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we would love to. But you know what? Here's what we've decided. Uh, cancer or not, he's still God and he's still in control. And if he wants to use this for his glory, he absolutely can. And if he wants to heal her and he gets the glory for that too, awesome. Either way, God wins, doesn't he? Faith. Faith. So we, we begin with, again, this faith thing. Um, it says to add to your faith goodness. Why goodness? Why do we practice goodness? Some of us aren't good at it. <laughs> I'm not, you know, but it's, it's this idea of pursuing moral excellence. It's, it's saying no when other people say yes to things. It's saying, you know what, I've got, a, I've got a different moral compass than you, and goodness says, I'm not going to choose that route. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to go God's route. And to add to, to goodness, then we add knowledge. We grow in the Word. We continue to grow in the Word. And to knowledge, self-control. Who's good at that? Yeah, that's what I thought, you know. Not a lot of people, man. So we have something to work on, to, and then to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and mutual affection, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that means we continue to grow. We continue to uh, plant this seed in our heart and our life. It, then you will, um, it will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like I said, there's something there from now till the day we die, isn't it? It says, what seed you plant now will reap eternal rewards. We get way too focused on this, don't we? Uh, Francis Chan has a video out, and maybe you've seen it. He talks about eternity. He's got this white rope that goes all across the stage, and he talks about it. Imagine that going, like, all the way around the world. And that's eternity, you know? And he said, he's got this little mark on it, about that big, and he said, this is your life. And this is what we focus on. This is what we focus on. And it's crazy because even more of us, we focus on this part. It's called retirement. And that's crazy. We save all of our money and we wait until our knees quit working and our back quits working. And we've got all this money to do nothing with anymore, you know. But that's what we focus on. And God says, you know what? We should be planning for eternity. We should be thinking about now eternity, not just for us. For those under us, for those that are coming next, 
Let's become eternally focused instead of now focused. So many times. Number two, how much you sow determines how much you reap. Second Corinthians 9, 6 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Key words, generous. It's being generous. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That means you've thought about it. That means you've come to a decision, then you've prayed about it. You said, this is a, now a joy for me to give. This is now a joy for me to do. And it says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you want. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say all that you want. It says having all that you need. All that you need. And you will abound in every good work. I don't know about you, but I have everything that I need. I always have. Do I get everything that I want? No, because God knows I don't need a bazooka, okay? I want a bazooka. But that goodness thing we were talking about earlier, God knows it's not good for me to have a bazooka. But I have everything that I need, you know? It says he will give, you, give it to you in such a way that you will have all that you need, that you will help others. God's word translation says it this way. Besides, God will give you his constantly overflowing kindness. Then you will have you will always have everything you need and you can do more and more good things. We're simply meant to be a conduit through which God works. So God gives to us not so that we can store it up and buy more and build more and do more for our own lives. God gives to us so that we can be a blessing to others. That's life. And isn't that going to draw more and more people to God? So if you want to, I dare you to, to do this, you know. I did this a couple years ago, and I prayed this prayer, God, because I struggled with being a giver. I really did. And uh, to be honest, I tithe. I've always tithed since I've been saved, but I didn't always want to. Uh, you know, there was a time where I'd come to that check, and I'd be like, man, I could really use this uh, for other things, you know, especially as young parents, like diapers and things like that. Diapers are expensive. And so I'm like, God, I could really use this. And But I tithed out of obedience. But what changed in me was I started, I, I struggled with it, but I came to the place of saying, you know what, God, I want to be a generous one. I don't want to be just a giver. I don't want to be just okay with giving. I want to become a generous giver. And that's when everything changed. And God got my first fruits, my tithe. I'm, that's the first check I write. Is my tithe. And then I write my missions. Because I love giving to missions. I love giving to missions. I love knowing that I'm impacting people worlds away, uh, even here in our, in our own, uh, you know, campuses. Uh, that's why I love giving to missions is because I can, I, other people can do so much more than just me where I'm at. And you know what? Then I begin to write other checks. There's a, there's a guy I write a check to every month. He has no idea where it comes from. But I watch him and I watch his ministry continue to flourish. And it's fun. I want to encourage you. I dare you. Pray that prayer. God, help me to be a generous giver. Number three, you reap in a different season than you sow. 
Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So that's the catch, okay? If we do not give up. So a lot of people are like, well, I just want the harvest. Well, here's the catch. You can't give up. You can't give up. It says, therefore, as we have our opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I want to encourage you, man, don't quit. Has there been someone in your life that you've been praying for for years and years and years and years, and they still don't know Christ? The Bible says, don't quit. Don't give up. As a church, you know, you guys do outreaches and, and you work in your community and you're continuing to, uh, to, to serve people and serve the community. And you look around and you're like, man, we still got some empty seats. Why aren't these full yet, God? God says, don't give up. Don't quit. Because if you don't give up, the harvest comes at the proper time. We have 100 acres at Wheat State Camp that we share across. So we don't do anything as far as camp with it. Uh, we work with a farmer, and he comes in and plants seed. And so last year we did the winter wheat, and around uh, September, uh, October time, I think September, uh, he comes in and tills up the ground and uh, begins to plant winter wheat. So the end of October, you can walk out there, and you know what it looks like after he's planted, month prior? looks like dirt. That's what it looks like. doesn't look like he did anything at all. You're kind of looking around going, what's up with this? We spent all this money, we put thousands of dollars, and there's nothing out there, you know? But if you walk out there a month after that, you see a little green shoot come up out of the ground. But you know what? It's not ready. Don't pull it. <laughs> it ain't worth anything. And you go out at the end of December, it's a little bit longer, you know? And then you go out at the end of January. Actually, I don't go out there. It's too cold. And then you go out in February, and it's a little bit higher. March, April, May, even June, it's, it's high. It's got a head on it, but just, it's not ready. It's when the head bows that you go get the crop. Nine months later. So many times we get impatient and we're like, you know what? We want immediate results. We, we are an immediate results type of society. I mean, if a web page takes longer than two seconds to load on your phone, you're, you're, you're like throwing it, aren't you? You're like, why is this Internet so slow? And uh, that's how we are today. We've been trained uh, to we're a microwave generation, man. We want it and we want it now. And God says, no, some things take time. And you need to wait for it. And you need to be patient until the harvest is ready. Whatever you do, don't quit. These are four ways that you can sow in a wheat state. Um, first is prayer. And I encourage people, um, you know, uh, grab, you'll be able to grab one of our, our things out there on the table. I believe in camp. You can put this on your refrigerator and just say a prayer for us. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting ready for camp now. And uh, so, but we've got camps in between. Last week, I think we had 350 women on the campground. And so it's a busy uh, time of year, but uh, pray for us. If you want to come down and walk the grounds and pray, I'd love to have you down there. And just walking through the property uh, and uh, Chi Alpha, you guys started out the year with a prayer retreat, so that was cool. But we've always uh, got a prayer happening. Uh, we got a prayer chapel that's free to certified ministers. You guys can come down and stay at any time. Some guys come and stay for weeks and uh, just fast and pray. 
So, but if you'd like to, uh, man, I'd love to have you come down or just grab one of these and, and continue to pray for us. Um, that's what we need more than anything. Uh, next is work uh, teams. And uh, we have people come down all the time uh, that help us with projects and save us thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, this picture is a youth convention last year. Um, we had a, a group of uh, teenagers that came and helped us, uh, help, helped us to tear down an old building. This was an old garage that we had uh, that just needed to come down. So we pushed it over the bulldozer, and they took it down and about cleaned it up. I mean, completely slab. I think, I don't know why it's not there. It's on, is it on the other side? Yeah. Normally, you can see the, the teenagers on the, on the other part of it. But, I mean, clean slab in uh, about four or five hours. It would have cost us thousands of dollars to have someone come in and do that. Uh, even this year, in, we had a, a church from Anthony, Kansas come up. They brought, I think, 86 people and redid our whole uh, dining hall ceiling. So we got new tile, new lights. Uh, we took off a, an old garage. They cleaned all the chairs. Uh, it's just amazing. So um, if you ever want to come down, I've got a couple more groups. They, call, they, they come as mission trips. Uh, to Wheat State, and they come, they spend a couple days uh, and work, and it's a, an amazing blessing uh, to us there. Next is invest. And, um, you know, I'm, churches do a lot of different things. I'm not sure what you do here, but I always encourage people, if you know of a camper that can't go to camp because of finances, uh, write that check for them. It's $199, I think, and it will be the best investment you make in a student's life all year long. Send them to camp. I never got to go to camp growing up. My parents couldn't afford it. But uh, I tell you, I encourage people. We uh, we scholarship a couple kids every year uh, for to make sure they can go to Weed State Camp. So, uh, you know, look around, and there's a discreet way, a kind way to do that. So uh, pray about that. Think about that. Make sure kids get to go to camp. And last is give. And I just want to encourage you to be generous. So some people, $20 is generous. And that's that's all you got. And that's generous. Uh, but some people, you could write a $50,000 check, and that's generous. So I encourage you, uh, be generous, and uh, we've got probably three, $4 million in projects uh, that we're working on at Wheat State, so we could use every penny. Um, out there on the table, you'll see one of these cards, I Believe in Camp. This is our renovation budget, and what I'm trying to do is uh, on the back, I'm trying to get about 1,000 people throughout the state of Kansas. We have about 20,000 adherents uh, with the Assemblies of God. So a small percentage of those, if they would say, I'll give $100 a year. I'll give $100 a year. Uh, that'll give us $100,000 renovation done. So right now we're uh, beginning to look at renovating some of the houses that we have. Uh, we don't spray for termites uh, because if you did, um, they'd die, they'd unlock arms, and then the houses would fall over. So, uh, <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, so our houses need renovated, and about $20,000 per house. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a house, we're going to split it in half, and we're going to make uh, apartments on each side. So that'll increase our bedding, and it'll also uh, increase or you know, make it make it look a lot better than what they look now today. So, uh, so that's what the, that is. That'll be out there on the back table if you want to pick one of those up on your way out. So some of the harvest from Wheat State. This is high school camp one last year. This is one week of camp with 10 first-time salvations, 98 rededications, 
31, first time, Holy Spirit baptism. 78 healings, 41 high schoolers were calling the ministry that we'd still come. That's one week. High school camp two, three first time salvations, 105 rededications, 27 Holy Spirit baptisms, first time, 56 healings, 18 more high schoolers were called in the ministry. We'd still come. That's the second week. This is middle school camp. This is our third week of camp last year. 19 first time salvations, 225 rededications, 158 first time Holy Spirit baptisms. I remember. Um, I remember going into um, the tabernacle after service was over Wednesday night last year. Um, young men and women walking out, wiping tears from their eyes, big red splotches all over their face. And uh, I probably sat in that service for another 40 minutes after they had uh, they dismissed. And there were still students at the altar. And we even had... Um, we had kids coming back in that night. So normally when you release middle schoolers, they run to the snack bar. They're like, sugar, you know. But to see them sitting around and continuing to press into the presence of God was phenomenal. 158 middle schoolers filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. 180 healing, 77 middle schoolers called in the ministry. That's, that's three weeks of camp. Um, we'll forget numbers here in just a few minutes probably. Let me leave you with three testimonies. A couple years ago, a good friend of mine, Chet Caldell, uh, was speaking at camp. Um, he was the Speed of Light director at the time. And he had these two cardboard boxes sitting on each side of the altar. They are about that big, three foot by three foot. And uh, he said, hey, when, when God speaks to you, you have a testimony, whatever God's doing in your life throughout the week, come up, write it on the box. These boxes were covered with these testimonies from the students. And so I took some pictures. I wasn't, I wasn't even the director then. I was just like, this is amazing. I'm taking pictures of these. And uh, so this is what God did at Weed State Camp Altars. My parents were teen parents. My dad killed himself when I was nine. So I don't want to be just a statistic in this world because there's no stats to the Lord. So what he was thinking before he came to the altar was this. Um, the world has told you because... You started out with teen parents. It's going to be really tough anyways, okay? On top of that, when you're nine, your dad kills himself. doesn't look really good for you. That's what he heard. That's what he knew. He came to an altar, and God said, I don't count that stuff. None of that really, I don't take that into account. I, I love you, who you are. I can use you right where you're at. I met this young man uh, at a church last year. And he stood up before I even spoke. He stood up and he, he was one of the young people that was lined up out front and talked about how camp had changed his life. Um, next is, I was a drug addict, alcoholic, sex addict, relationship addict, codependent, anxiety, anger, and a victim of abuse. But Jesus Christ has set me free. He has broken my many chains. Amanda. I think we forget some, so outside of our church walls, Man, there's a broken generation, uh, and they carry a lot of weight, you know, and, and for whatever reason, they get entangled in so many different things. But you know what? Every year, man, kids come to Wheat State, and they get to unload this stuff. They get to be changed. Um, I have a razor that I keep 
Um, and I, one of the kids in my youth group one time walked up to me. She said, can I go get something out of my dorm? And uh, I said, yeah, absolutely. And she came back with this razor, and she said, this is, this is what I used to cut myself with. And she said, I want to give it to you. I'm done with it. Uh, today, she's a children's pastor here in Kansas. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, testimony. The next one. Uh, I'll let you read it. I have a seven-year-old daughter. Um, not a day goes by that she does not hear Daddy say, I love you. Um, not a day goes by that she doesn't hear me say how beautiful she is. Can you put that back up? Can you leave that up there for a minute? Um, I mean, she wakes up looking like a Wookiee sometimes, man, and I'll be like, you know what? Daddy loves you, and uh, you're beautiful. She is. She's beautiful. We go out on dates. Uh, I take her out on dates uh, three or four times a year. And I want her to know what it's like to be, this is how I want a young man to treat you, okay? And so we go out. I'm like, where do you want to go? She loves crab legs. I love crab legs. So we go to Red Lobster a lot. And uh, my family, my wife doesn't like seafood. So I'm like, this is awesome. And uh, so we, were, we actually went out. And uh, so we'll go out to eat. And I, I always tell her this. I'm like, honey, tonight money's no option. My wife's like, what? <laughs> you know? And uh, so uh, we do. We go out. And uh, so we'll, we'll go. And then we'll go do something fun. So we'll go to a movie. We This past weekend, we went and we saw Zootopia. And, uh, you know, I've taken her out to uh, bowling. We'll go bowling. We'll go cosmic bowling or something like that. And when we're done, so we'll go out to eat. We'll go do something fun. And then I'm like, okay, Daddy wants to buy you something. So uh, what do you want? So we'll go to Target. We'll go to Barnes & Noble, buy her a new book, get her a new Barbie or something like that. And, you know, at the end of the night, I'm like, you know, this is how I want you to be treated. This is, and I always talk about that. I'm like, you know, one day you're going to get to date when you're 30 or so. And uh, <laughs> this is how a young man should treat you. This is how, you know, you should be taken care of. As I travel the state of Kansas, what I find more and more, uh, age groups all over the place, this is the name young ladies have been assigned by their dad. And I don't get that. I don't understand that. I don't understand how a dad could give his daughter this name. I don't know how this young lady got her name. But what I do know is this, is that she came to an altar we'd sent to. And Jesus said, that's not your name anymore. This is why I do what I do. This is why I believe in Weed State Camp. This is why we're getting ready the way that we're getting ready and we're building and we're creating and we're dreaming is because... The altars are going to open up again. We just think, and uh, 2017 is going to be an amazing year. We're going to have young people saved. We're going to have young people filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? Uh, camp season will come to a close. Comes to a close pretty quick. Uh, 20, 2017 camp will happen again. 2018, young people are going to show up at the doors. We state camp. We want to make sure that it's there. Amen. So uh, thank you so much for having me. It is a privilege to be with you, to hang out with you guys. Uh, I'm going to show one more video. 
and uh, after that, Pastor will come up. But uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for uh, having me this morning. of a culture that is captivated by its busyness and obsessed with constantly moving on to the next thing, it would be hard to find time to withdraw and press into the presence of God. But every year, hundreds of students come to Weed State Camp for this purpose. It's a place where they can get away from everything and get along with God. This campground has impacted people from not only Kansas, but all over the world. The numbers of salvations, healings, and baptisms in the Holy Spirit are astounding. We've seen the coldest hearts made completely new. Students with all sorts of bondage, depression, and insecurity issues have found their freedom through Christ on this campground. And you know, as impressive as these numbers are on their own, there's something more to this place than just numbers and stories. It's those unquantifiable and supernatural moments that make this campground so impacting. It's the holy moments. The times where the presence of God is so thick that we get a taste of what eternity is like, where you get a glimpse of heaven. These moments are why this camp is so valuable to us. It's why I believe in camp. For the past several years, we have seen students come from every corner of the state of Kansas to worship and grow together at camp. Whether in their cabins or on sports fields or at the altar, Students have an amazing accessibility to the presence of God on these campgrounds. More recently, we're seeing young men and women who were impacted at this camp as students, and now they're youth pastors and youth leaders, and they're bringing students back to this place. God is using Wheat State to reach and send out generation after generation of students, bringing them into His presence and changing their lives. You know, it's hard to imagine where we might be as a district or as a Pentecostal people, if we never had had a place like Wheat State Camp. So many of our pastors, our missionaries, people in the local churches were filled with the Spirit, called into ministry, encountered God right here on these grounds at Wheat State Camp. Many people even met their spouses at camp. I think it's safe to say that this place has impacted our Kansas family for the better. It's always fun to soak in the memories that we have at camp. Friends we've made, moments in the altar that were so powerful, and even the pranks that we played on one another. I pulled more than one as an adult here. But rather than staying stuck in the past, we must set our eyes ahead. We need to begin to focus on the future with greater intentionality than ever. Our staff at Wheat State is dreaming a big dream because they believe that camp works. I believe that camp works. We believe it's a place of revival for people of every age. We believe something holy happens when students and children and adults gather together at camp to pursue God. I believe in camp. I think you believe in camp. Let's see what God will do through Wheat State in the days ahead. 
Over the last few years, we have seen substantial growth and upgrades throughout our facility, but we still have a ways to go. God has shown us so much favor as we work hard to make this a place where lives are changed year after year. We're no longer thinking just five years down the line, but 10, 20, even 30 years. We're thinking about missionaries, pastors, leaders who aren't even born yet, but have an appointment to encounter God on these camp grounds. With your help, Wheat Stick can not only survive, but thrive. It is our desire that we leave this place in the best condition we possibly can for the next generation so that they can experience what it's like to encounter Jesus at hand. Please partner with us, pray for us, and invest in us so that we can make sure Wheat State Camp is around for many generations to come.